you have to have a coherent way of pitching the company. I like to see that people have prepared in advance. I like to see a good deck. For me, it shows that they respect, you know, sitting together and not me. You don't need to respect me. I don't care about it, but you need to respect the time that you are granted. You are listening to The Sure Shot Entrepreneur, a podcast for founders with ambitious ideas, venture capital investors, and other early believers tell you relatable, insightful, and authentic stories to help you realize your vision. Welcome to The Sure Shot Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Gopi Rangan. I'm here with Kifir Kaklan. He's the co-founder and general partner at 91 Ventures. It's a new Israeli early-stage venture capital firm. He invests primarily in deep tech startups. We're going to learn more about specific areas of interest for Kefir, how he evaluates entrepreneurs, especially in deep tech. Are there any specific questions and types of stories that he likes to hear during the first and second meetings with entrepreneurs? What gets him excited? When does he say, I want to invest in this company? Kifir, welcome to the SureShot Entrepreneur. Thank you for having me, Gopi. Tell us about yourself, starting with where you're from. You started out as a lawyer initially, and then you switched to being an investor, right? Yes, that's right. Grew up as one of those geek kids in the early 90s, you know, building computers, putting up together the latest graphic card, the latest sound card. So that's how I grew with technology and computers. After my army service, which is mandatory here in Israel, I went into the world of law, completed my master's with uh, Tel Aviv University in Berkeley. As a lawyer, I was always on the technological side. So I, was, I called myself a tech lawyer. I was doing mainly IP and international commercial law. I worked within companies. I was in-house counsel with some very deep technological companies, one in the biopharmaceutical world and another one in the world of advanced optics and made the shift to venture capital eventually because I always felt like being a lawyer is kind of like being a pastor or a rabbi in a wedding where you have the couple already met each other. They had the first date, the second date, they fell in love, they met the parents, and then they come to whoever does the, the ceremony to just officialize the relationship. That's how I felt as a lawyer. And I wanted to make business. I wanted to fall in love and meet the parents, quote unquote. And yeah, that's how I see the world of venture capital. This is very interesting take. Lawyers are counselors indeed, and you bring that perspective venture capital. Why is venture capital interesting to you? What's exciting? Venture capital, at least for me, is being a part of this innovation chain. At the end of the day, kind of like enablers, we get the money, we find entrepreneurs who are building amazing stuff, some of them building some life-changing products or future-defining products for our humanity. And you get to be a part of it as a venture capitalist. You get to inject them with capital and see them grow, see the teams, work with the entrepreneurs, see the passion. There's also the fun of making something successful, making a nice ROI for your investors. So yeah, just being a part of that innovation, free will, that's exciting for me. Yeah, venture capital investors are enablers indeed. We don't really build things, but we enable a lot of that innovation that is needed in the world. You focus on deep tech, right? What are some specific topics within deep tech you like to invest in? Yeah, well, luckily through my career, I had the opportunity to do so many deep technology startups because I started my career 
our crowd, which is the most active venture capital in Israel, managing about $2 billion in AUM right now. As somebody who was on the investments team back then, we had the opportunity to do everything from medical devices to drug development to LiDAR technology deep learning. I got the opportunity and I was privileged to work with senior team of investors, my bosses, basically, who were very, very deep tech focused. We always laughed about it that in Israel, when an entrepreneur comes and tells you I'm building a rocket to Saturn, it's not about can he, but it's when. At what stage would you like to meet entrepreneurs? So I started as doing A rounds and above. That's what our crowd was about. Then I shifted and I went out and I established my first fund. Now I'm building my second fund. And I really found it that I love being as early as possible with entrepreneurs. Even before they have that fine-tuned deck, I like to sit with entrepreneurs. Sometimes they come to me just for an advice or just for coffee or I meet them randomly in a meetup. That's how early I like to engage with my entrepreneurs. I see that you like to meet entrepreneurs as early as you can. What questions do you ask them in the first meeting? Well, it's either a first meeting where we meet and they pitch. So that's like a pitch meeting. And then many, many questions are thrown around the table. Who are you as a team? What's the idea? How you validated it? What are your future plans? Who next are you going to hire? For me, it's very important to see if the team knows how to get talent and knows who they have on their sites once they get an infusion of capital. If I meet people for a meetup, I just like to hear an elevator pitch, like really quick about what they do. If it excites me, then I get those gut feelings about, wow, this can be cool. And I like to really see how I click with them. I like to see if there's a chemistry at all. Even when they come and pitch to me, I usually shift the conversation to understand who they are. Where have they traveled? What's their hobbies? Here in Israel, the military service is a big part of us because it's mandatory. So what have they done and who do they serve with? It's very important for me to get a feel as early as possible about the people I'm sitting with because products change. Usually the product that a team will show you at the first meeting, especially if you're a super early investor, is not what they're going to develop. They will pivot a lot of times during that process. So You can put your eggs on what the product is, but more on what the team is and how do they think about opportunities and problem solving and validation and network creation. This is very interesting because the first meeting is not only about the pitch, but you're making a more of a conversation. So you get to know them as people. Can you give an example of a company? How did you meet the founder? How did you form that chemistry that you mentioned? How was that chemistry formed between you and the founder? Well, I can take us back to one very cool investment that I've done. I met the team through being a mentor on an incubation program or an accelerator program. First of all, the team didn't have any technological experience. They haven't had any startup that they previously founded, but they were up to something in a very, at least here in Israel, uncharted territory, which was the world of esports. I felt that they have something interesting. I like them as people. I connected to them personally through that process of mentoring them in the accelerator program. I saw them evolve. I gave them homework. You know, let's work on the budget. Let's work on the deck. Here are some challenges and here are some hard questions. They really shaped themselves through that process to eventually becoming those entrepreneurs that I say, okay, not only I like them as people, but I think that they're now ready to do something with the capital that I can invest in them. It took a while, but... Luckily, we had that accelerator program that we were a part of, and we got to work together. A lot of entrepreneurs ask, should they go to acceleration programs? I think that's a great thing. 
at least if you're going to have mentorship by whatever VC and you can find somebody that you match with. Kifir, are you able to share the name of the company and the founder? Oh, sure. The company is called Edge Gaming. They have a founding team, but the two founders uh, were Asaf and Omri Gazit, brothers. Awesome, awesome, awesome individuals. Edge Gaming is developing right now playables. If a very famous streamer or esports athlete, let's say they create an amazing move, a video gamer, you can cut it as a highlight. The highlight is not only watchable, but others can play on that highlight trying to make the same play that person done. I don't know about you, but I grew up as a basketball fan. I used to play basketball. I love basketball. And in the world of real sports, even though you have your idol, let's say Michael Jordan, like shooting a basket on the Bowser, you can't do it in real life. You cannot go to the Madison Square Garden. You can have, I don't know, a Patrick Ewing playing against you. You just cannot do it in the real world life. But in esports, because it is so technological, because it plays digitally, if you see an athlete that you like doing an amazing move with the edge gaming technology and product, you can play the same move and try to be that amazing athlete. I think what they've done is just unbelievable. The company has been growing super fast since really, really fast. And yeah. This is exciting indeed. You started the conversation as a mentor. You didn't know where the company was going. You got to know the founders quite well. And then you invested in the company once the chemistry was formed. And now the company is growing rapidly. I see. This can be a very exciting way to experience basketball in the digital world without having to travel to Madison Square Gardens. How long does it take for you to form this chemistry from the time you started meeting the founders as a mentor and then eventually when you decided that, hey, I want to invest in this company? I'm not going to lie. I think the first signs of a decision comes from the gut and the gut feeling. And I've learned to trust the gut feeling through my processes, you know, as a venture capitalist and growing in this world with a first meeting with, you know, the first like click when you meet somebody in a meetup. So you have that click. You see, okay, these are people I can speak with, I can relate to, I can have a beer with. For me, it's important. I try to take every entrepreneur that I have, any idea or any um, wish to maybe invest in them, I, I take them out. We go out, we eat, we beer, we laugh. So the decision of at least taking them through that journey of a prospect investment is made very, very quick. And then I take them through that journey and I'm a very analytical, deep diligence person. So... I take them for a very excruciating process, shooting a lot of holes in their boat to see if they sink and to see if my thesis will sink. What happens in that first meeting? I leverage on my network and the people that I know and my investors in the fund to help me validate innovation directors in multinational corporations who help me. I put them in front of the team. They ask the harder questions than myself because at the end of the day, I'm not the smartest person around. That first decision if I'm going to take them through that journey, I think happens super, super quick. Of course, there are some external things that matter, like is the investment within the fund thesis? Is this an industry that I'm interested in or not? If all comes to place and I feel a great gut feeling about the team, then I will take them through that journey. You're giving some specific examples based on your experience. This is very insightful. What can entrepreneurs do to prepare for the first meeting, the second meeting, and go with you on that journey to form that chemistry? What's your advice to entrepreneurs? There are two things. One thing is to remember that at the end of the day, you're building a company and a product and a technology that needs to be a good investment for me as an investor who took money from his LPs. I have a very high respect to that, and I, I'll do everything I can to make a profit for them. So you need to come to me when you present the company 
ready to answer hard questions. You need to be thorough on your understanding of the market. Sometimes I know the market and I know the competitors and I will ask and I will put you on the spot. You have to have a coherent way of pitching the company. I like to see that people have prepared in advance. I like to see a good deck. For me, it shows that they respect. You don't need to respect me. I don't care about it. But you need to respect the time that you are granted in order to show your company and the potential in it as soon as possible because you will have thousands of those opportunities as an entrepreneur. Some of them will be an investment. Some of them will be a potential client. I need to see that you understand how important words are. So that's one thing. The other thing is try to be authentic as you. Bring your true color. Bring the colors of your team. If you have other team members, don't try to speak on their behalf. If that's your CTO and he's doing something super, super deep, give him the mic. When we start hitting those hard questions about the technology and the algorithms, give them the stage. I give a lot of weight to how the team corresponds with each other through that meeting. So yeah, those are the kind of things that I care about most. This is a very debatable topic. How did your process change, especially in the past two years? during COVID. In real life, it's possible to watch the interaction between the founders. I like the way you said it, like, give the mic to your colleague. If there is something interesting to be said about a topic that we're discussing, don't interrupt them and don't dominate the conversation. Those dynamics are more clear to see in person. How do you watch for that in the remote world where you don't get to meet founders often? Mm -hmm. First of all, most of the funders I invest in are in Israel. So even through COVID, we just put masks and we met in a room. But those were only meetings that I wanted to take to the next level. Intro meetings or first meetings that happen through Zoom, for example, I try to be attentive to what's happening in the room. And if the video is on, you can catch a lot of things in, you know, how is somebody sitting more comfortably in the chair or not? You can notice things in the nuances of the voice. I'm not an investigator, like a police detective that puts you in a room and like, and knows when you're lying. I'm not that. But there are signs that you pick up and you can sometimes, even through Zoom, you can sense it. Us as human beings, we are a super adaptable creature. COVID fell in our heads and then we learned how to adapt to doing meetings through Zoom. Our senses adapted to understanding other people's emotions through only looking at the screen and hearing their voices. But yeah, those that impress me and those that I like and those that I feel there is a good vibe with, I will call for a second meeting and take the chance. I see that you have adapted your style to fit both the in-person meeting and Zoom meetings. You can tell a lot from the interactions even online between the founders in a meeting. What's your most common reason to say no? Wow. I hate saying no, but you just have to say it a lot. That's the statistics of you know investing. The times where I can reach a no super fast is, again, dynamics of the team. If some founder just dominates very insensitively over their co-founder. I hate when people are arrogant and I don't put them on the spot as if like I know more than themselves. I usually do not. But there is something in the tonation that you can feel if somebody just gives you the vibe that they're not an easy person to work with. You can ask some questions and see how people answer them. You can try to sometimes pull a harder question to see what happens when you debate something even more intensively and see how they respond back. When I feel somebody that I can, cannot speak with and I feel that we will not be able to work together and guide each other because you know we guide each other, it's not just the VC guiding the startups. If I feel that, then for me, it will be an easy no. Yeah, so it's always about dynamics and the vibes. 
And then there are other cases where I can say, no, if it's not a good fit to my thesis, maybe I've invested in a competitor in a way, and then I feel it's not cool for me to invest in this company. I see that you ask hard questions and see how they behave. The dynamics and the vibes matter a lot to you. And of course, the thesis fit needs to be perfect. It needs to align with what you're investing in. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you a hard question. If you were to change one thing about venture capital, what would you change? What I would love to change about venture capital, it's the world of hyper-evaluating companies. I've seen a lot of times where people were just giving away super generous valuations. And now we are hitting a crisis in the markets and we're seeing how it trickles back to growth companies, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the day, people's jobs are being cut and that has massive implications on people's lives. Maybe in 15, 20 years from now, London Business School, Stanford will teach a class about the ethics of venture capital, and we look back and discuss those overvaluated situations that we were at. I think that's something that I would love to change. I would love people to be more respective of their valuations. Another thing is that I would love to see a way for entrepreneurs to be on the other side of the fence, like to be more active in this world of venture capital. It shouldn't be just venture capitalists who are taking the reins or doing whatever this world of investments is. But I would love to see more of how the entrepreneurs communicate with each other. I know that they do here in Israel. I don't know how they do globally. But for them to really work for each other to succeed, because you never know where karma will hit. So that's what I would love to see. Very well said. Behind these numbers, venture capital supports ambitious growth plans. So it's understandable when valuations go up and when these numbers increase recklessly in the greater full theory of selling equity downstream to an even greater full, those type of trends take over. It creates some ethical issues. It needs to be studied more closely. And I do hope that more academic research is done in this topic to highlight the negative effects of inflated valuations. We're going to see some changes hopefully in the next few months as the market changes and brings everything back to normal and entrepreneurs can expect to build meaningful businesses and not just increase valuation from round to round and create a hype around all of that. Thanks for highlighting that. It's an important topic indeed. Well, I wonder how much heat I will get from other VCs, right? But, <laughs> but it needs to be said. It needs to be said. I want to switch to the last part of our conversation and ask you about your community involvement. Is there a nonprofit organization you are passionate about? Which one? Yeah, well, just as in the United States, you have all those ambulance services. We here in Israel have a Magen David Adom, which is, let's say, the Israeli Red Cross and the ambulance services. As a kid growing up in high school, I volunteered with that. So I was trained as a medic and I rode in the ambulances and I a lot of my character was built on those experiences, my best friends ever I met through volunteering with that organization. So that's an organization that I am very, very passionate on. Emergency services are critical to any community. I'm glad that you are involved in this community activity. Kefir, thank you so much for spending time with me, sharing deep insights on your work based on specific examples from your experience. I'm very grateful to you for highlighting some important things in the venture capital industry. I look forward to sharing your nuggets of wisdom with the world. Thank you for having me. It was a great time. And if any entrepreneur gets any value from this, I can help in any way, then you know I feel I've done mine. Everybody can feel free <laughs> to reach out to me. I'm very accessible and I try to answer as fast as I can. And thank you for the stage. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kefir. 
Thank you for listening to the Sure Shot Entrepreneur. I hope you enjoyed listening to real life stories about early believers supporting ambitious entrepreneurs. Please subscribe to the podcast and post a review. Your comments will help other entrepreneurs find this podcast. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.